0: Panda acknowledges the traditional owners of the land where we work and live. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We celebrate the stories, culture and traditions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders of all communities who also work and live on this land. Today's episode was produced on the lands of the Jagera, Yugamber, Ugarapul and Ghana peoples.
1: I certainly saw the signs and... I was doing everything that I could think of to try and help and to make her feel better and it wasn't working. I couldn't help Lauren and I didn't know what to do to make things better so I just felt a little bit helpless at that point. I'm not really the type of person that wants to burden others with how I'm feeling but that was certainly the first step. I needed to say to Lauren that I wasn't coping as
0: well. I think that was a big,
1: that was a pretty big step.
0: Alex was struggling and she didn't know how to say it. It felt like she was watching her wife Lauren go through the physical and mental marathon of pregnancy from the sidelines. Like all loving mums and dads watching their partner carry their child, Alex was furiously trying to keep pace, shouting words of encouragement and support making sure Lauren had everything she needed to make it to that finish line. And once their baby arrived, it was easy for Alex to forget that as the supporting partner, she'd actually run that whole race too, just on a different track. I'm Gia, and this is Survive and Thrive, a podcast from Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia, who you might know as Panda. We're not shying away from the realities of everyday parents who, like me, have experienced anxiety, depression, any and all of the mental health challenges and complexity of bringing tiny humans into this world. You're about to meet Alex and Lauren, who like most of us are just figuring out this whole parenting thing as we go. After witnessing two pretty traumatic births and supporting Lauren through severe perinatal anxiety and depression, Alex's mental health was hit hard too. But even after all they've been through, you can hear that the love and respect they have for one another is still strong.
2: Alex is probably one of the most even-keeled people I've ever met. So she is very, very calm and I am the opposite of that. Sometimes I have to check her for a pulse, put it that way, just to make sure she's still with us because she's so calm. And she's a really, really great mum. She's super fun. Like I keep saying, um, sorry, ladies, the real bandit is taken. She's like that real bandit from Bluey type mum or dad, our kids call her sometimes. She's a really great mum, really fun and um, really hands-on.
1: Lauren is full of life. Um, She's always... The life of the party, the first thing about her that attracted me to her um, was that you can't walk past Lauren or be in a room with Lauren and not notice her, Um, which I, yeah, I think it's a great characteristic since one of the things that I love about Lauren.
0: Oh, that's really sweet. Now, you guys made the decision to start a family just after you got married. Alex, can you tell me a little bit about your IVF journey?
1: Yeah, IVF for us um, in the first stages was quite overwhelming. There was a lot of information to process. Um, Given the nature of our family, we're a same-sex family. When we decided to have kids, um, that was the avenue that was available to us. Um, We needed a little bit of help. It couldn't happen accidentally. We had a really challenging experience with IVF and going through the process to get pregnant. And then there was a lot of medical intervention, um, which was also quite overwhelming for both of us. Um, And we didn't have an easy ride with IVF. Um, We'd gone through the process of of harvesting eggs and um, fertilization and throughout all of that, Um, in the end, we had one viable embryo Um, to be implanted in Lauren. Um, So there was a lot of emotion that was attached to that. I mean, we kind of went into it thinking that we would have more of a chance of falling pregnant, that we would have more than one go. Um, But in the end, we only really had one shot at it. So I think that certainly changed our feeling when Lauren did become pregnant. There was a lot of relief um, that certainly from my side that came along with it um, because it was all it was all or nothing
0: really. Yeah. Wow. That must've been a lot of pressure on both of you. Um, I guess for you, Lauren, the physical challenges of actually carrying the baby, but I also imagine there was a pretty heavy mental load as well.
2: Uh, At the start, I was pretty anxious because as Alex said, it was, she was our one shot. So until we hit that sort of, you know, second trimester where, you know, the risk of things going wrong starts to improve and we'd had successful scans and things were looking good. I was quite anxious at the start. I was very, very nauseous, but um, no vomiting. So, I was relatively well up until the 3rd trimester and then I got dreadful carpal tunnel syndrome. For me it started out as normal tingling, which is normal for carpal tunnel, but in the end it ended up as crushing nerve pain in my hands. So I was getting up every hour during the night and shaking my hands out just trying to get some relief. So by the time it was time for Ivy to be born, I was so sleep deprived and, you know, really anxious and I would say probably even a bit depressed because I was just so over this this really debilitating pain. Mm, yeah, understandably, that sounds really, really tough.
0: Um, and I guess Alex, you're watching this happening and supporting Lauren through all of it. How was that impacting you emotionally?
1: Yeah, it was really hard. I think um, what Lauren had just said before about towards the end, we she was just wishing for it to be over quicker. Um, I think I certainly felt a little bit like that as well. Um, I typically am pretty calm and and Can deal quite well with most situations, but I did find myself during the pregnancy feeling quite anxious and overwhelmed, um, which was very out of character for me. And it was something that I certainly had to process. Um, And it wasn't really anything that I discussed with Lauren as well, because I didn't want to add to her burden. I knew because um, she was biting her nails. Yeah, <laughs> that's my tell. Um, yeah, I, I was feeling really anxious and and towards the end, I think I just wanted it to be over as well. I just wanted Ivy um, to be safely here and for us to be on the other end of it. I think the IVF journey for us meant that really our pregnancy started a lot sooner Um, than it does for most people. um, And the anxiety that comes along with having a baby started a lot earlier as well.
0: Um, And I guess you mentioned you sort of internalised a lot of that worry. Um, Why did you feel like you couldn't really speak out about it at the time?
1: I just felt like Lauren was going through enough on her own. Um, She had a lot of physical complaints that she was dealing with. um, And I didn't really think it was my place to be adding to that with how I was struggling or that was my own stuff um, and I didn't really need to add anything for her. We are one of the first in our circle of friends to have started a family, um, so there wasn't really any of my close friends that I felt like I could talk to about it. Um, I also felt like I was quite surprised by my own feelings um, throughout as well, Um and because I hadn't had a history of of anxiety um, before that, uh, I didn't have a connection to any mental health professionals at the time that I could go and see to talk about it. Um, I didn't really know any organisations that um, I could get support from, so I was
0: dealing with all of it alone. Yeah, that sounds really tough. I guess how was that for you then, when you had to go back to work and you knew what Lauren was going through at home? Um, I certainly could see that Lauren was struggling. Um, so for me
1: to leave the house every morning, um, it, it was it was hard. I did feel a lot of guilt. Um, our circumstances obviously were that I did need to go back to work um, and Lauren did need to stay at home with Ivy. But I did feel guilty going to work every day and <laughs> Lauren used to say that um, she was so jealous of the fact that I got to eat lunch with both hands. Um, which and is go fun. to
2: the toilet whenever she or wanted to. Go to the toilet to. in peace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the simple which obviously things. Obviously
1: these things are very funny in retrospect, but yeah, looking back on it, um, it was a real uh, frustration, I suppose, Um and yeah, I, I did feel a lot of guilt about being able to go back to what you would consider normal life, I suppose. I'd go back to my full-time job and have adult conversations and go out to client meetings and go out for lunch and, you know, things didn't really change for me. I had six weeks off, which, were yes, were beautiful. We had this beautiful baby at home um, and we, at that stage, had everything that we'd wanted. You know, we, we wanted a baby and here she was. She was happy and healthy and it was all great, but... It was really challenging um, and, yeah, nothing really changed for me but everything had changed for Lauren.
0: To give yourself some credit as well, you would have been sleep deprived as well I, as I, I can imagine.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: I can cope a lot better than Lauren without much sleep. Maybe it's on account of my age because I'm quite a lot younger than oh, Lauren. Oh,
2: <laughs> stop it. <laughs>
1: um, but, yeah, I, I can cope um, a lot better without sleep. So I didn't find that as challenging
2: But you are, you were very hands-on. So it wasn't a case of, well, you know, I've got to go to work tomorrow and therefore the baby is your job. Like we were, when, as soon as Alex was home, we were 50-50 parents. That's how things work in our house. Um, She was really responsive and really hands-on.
0: Now, Lauren, I guess you've touched on this before, but you felt that sense of resentment a little bit early on when Alex was able to go back to work and do all the things that she did previously. Can you describe that a little bit more for me?
2: Yeah, I think it really mostly just came out of exhaustion. You know, when you're really struggling and you're in a relationship, um, like even now with two little kids, if you're having a really hard day, you can't turn on your kids, you turn on your partner because (laughs) they can put up with it. You can take it out on them and they kind of have to forgive you to a certain extent. So Um, yeah, I guess I just, if I was really struggling and she came home, then she was there in front of me as a, you know, someone to unload my feelings onto. So she definitely copped it a bit, but I did, um, also use healthy, (laughs) healthy ways to manage my feelings. I actually had a psychologist that I'd already been seeing prior to pregnancy and I checked in with her regularly. Um, and I also called Panda when I realized I wasn't doing terribly well. So hopefully, Poor Alex didn't cop it too bad, but I did have that that sense early on of that that resentful feeling. It didn't carry on with the second pregnancy though. Was it was very much just in the early days of the first.
0: Can you tell me what your experience was when you called Panda? Was that was that a good experience for you?
2: Yeah, it was really good. I'd actually never heard of Panda before, but um, I think that I just happened to come across it in my social media right at a time when I had started to struggle. So. Um, With Ivy, I'd heard about Panda and gave them a call and I just had a really wonderful um, non-judgmental discussion about everything that was going on and um, the woman actually took me back to my birth, which was quite a traumatic birth and I hadn't at the time understood the impact that my traumatic birth had had on my early parenting journey um, and so putting two and two together there, as well as how difficult the pregnancy was and all of that, um, really sort of helped take some of the shame out of how I was feeling. The fact that I was feeling so low, I was able to acknowledge that, yeah, we'd had a rough time and um, what I was feeling was really valid and also it was really common. Did
0: your experience um, with your first pregnancy impact on your thinking about having a number number two?
2: Yeah, it made me really want to do it again. How messed up is that? Um, <laughs> I <laughs> we'd When we talked about having a family, we always wanted two kids and we'd talked about carrying one each. So each having a child that was biologically ours, but with the same donor. Um, and then after I'd had Ivy, I had this real sense of, oh, that was my one shot and my birth was a bit Am I allowed to swear? A bit shit. (laughs) Had a bit of a traumatic birth and, um, yeah, I felt really, I felt a lot of grief that that was already over for me and then um, when Ivy was approaching two, um, I was really feeling like, I really, really, really want to have another baby, like carry and birth another baby. And Alex, um, we'd just bought a house and we were sitting on the kitchen floor one night and she just said, How would you feel about, you know, um, if we got my eggs out, you carrying one of my embryos and you being pregnant again because I really don't see myself doing it and I was elated. I don't know what it is about the kitchen floor, but all of our big decisions (laughs) seem to get made while we're sitting on the kitchen floor.
1: Having a chat and a glass of wine. Yeah. (laughs) We do have seats in our house, but
0: sometimes we just want to sit on the floor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, you guys have just made this huge decision on the kitchen floor Now, it was during COVID, uh, which meant, Alex, you couldn't actually go to many of the medical appointments. How did that feel when you weren't able to be involved in the same way that you had been with Ivy's pregnancy?
1: Yeah, it was a lot different. Um, I felt a little bit disconnected the second time around, which was strange because with Luca, it was my egg. Um, and then I wasn't at any of the appointments. Um, so it almost felt like I was outsourcing it in a way, just sort of outsourcing the pregnancy to Lauren and I wasn't really involved. Um, I'm quite an active person partner, I would say. I I did want to be involved. Um, It didn't feel good to not be able to go to those appointments and to miss out on all of the scans and um, all of the appointments. And yeah, I I did feel very secondary um, during the pregnancy with Luca, which I worried that it would down the track lead to me feeling less connected. Um, Fortunately, that wasn't the case. But yeah, that,
0: that certainly added to that anxiety. Yeah, that definitely would have added to all the pressure. Um, now, once you guys got through the actual pregnancy, unfortunately, it wasn't a very straightforward birth, was it? Um, just a heads up quickly to our listeners, this could be a bit distressing because we're about to talk about birth trauma. So skip forward a few minutes or seek support if you need to, please. So Alex, if you're okay to speak about it, can you tell me a little bit about how Luca's birth unfolded?
1: Yeah, it was certainly a traumatic birth um, from from both sides. But the birth itself, I think, went to plan. It all went to plan. We'd um, had a lot of learnings from uh, the birth with Ivy, um, so we knew we were very clear going into it, um, the type of birth that we wanted with Luca. Um, Lauren was coping really well. Um, yeah, everything was going to plan, she came out a little bit quickly, um, to the point where our midwife almost didn't catch her. Um, so that was it, that was funny. Um, it all the wheels sort of fell off after um, Luca had come out. So Lauren, we didn't know this at the time, um, but Lauren was bleeding uh, internally, and it wasn't until probably half an hour after. Um, when the obstetrician had come in and was... Um, stitching me st- up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stitching her up that um, we did find that she was bleeding a lot and, yeah, the volume of blood was... It's still shocking to me um, how so much blood can come out of one person, but I had to witness witness it. Lauren was couldn't really see what was going on. Um, she was being kept informed, obviously, because we had a great midwife... Um, But yeah, I was sort of all seeing it unfold and seeing more and more medical personnel come into the room and the concerned faces and the bleeding didn't stop and I could see Lauren getting greyer and greyer and then whiter and whiter and I could see the blood pressure monitor and seeing her blood pressure go down and yeah, it was, um, there was a moment there where I did think that this, this was it, um, Mm -hmm. that I was going to be raising two kids on my own. And yeah, it just felt like my life was kind of slipping away or Lauren's life was actually slipping away in front of me, but, um, mine was as well. And it was, yeah, it was, it was really traumatic. Like I just remember so clearly the thought in my mind at that time was how, how am I going to raise two kids on my own? And yeah, it was, it was really traumatic for, for me, obviously not great for Lauren. I don't want to diminish, um, diminish her side of it as well. But yeah, as, as a partner, seeing that happen, um, to the mother of your children and the
0: person that you love, it was, yeah, it was really hard. Wow, guys, I'm so sorry I had to go through that and that sounds extremely full on. Um, how did Lucas' birth impact your mental health after that, Alex?
1: Yeah, that the birth took a lot of time to process. Um, obviously, Lauren is still here, um, so she did recover from that once we had gotten past the trauma of it. Um, you were really anxious for quite a yeah, while afterwards. Yeah. I was, I didn't really talk about it um, to anyone afterwards, Um, not even really to Lauren. Um, I mean, your your friends and family see you when they ask about the birth and I just kept quiet during those conversations. I didn't really tell my side of the story, mainly because I thought it was something that I probably needed to keep to myself for a little bit um, and process and also didn't want to ruin it for... (laughs) other of our friends who wanted to have babies at that time it's not really an uplifting story that you want to tell um so yeah I did I did keep it to myself and I did feel really anxious um Luca did have some complications afterwards um she had some breathing challenges partly due to the fact that she was born so quickly and I just uh, yeah I didn't really cope with that situation very well um I thought it would probably be something that Lauren would have struggled with, but she, yeah, she coped remarkably well. And I think if Lauren said before that I'm the calm one that kind of keeps it cool in stressful situations. But I think Lauren was, um, the cool, calm and collected one during that period of time, which was a nice dynamic shift for our our relationship. Definitely. I relied on her a lot to keep me calm because I was struggling with how overwhelmed I was feeling with all of that happening. I was scared for Luca and yeah, trying to process, process everything, um, all that was all happening at once it just felt like everything was happening all at once and there was a lot to to deal with I couldn't sleep every single noise every cough fart gurgle (laughs) I was like what's that
2: noise sitting straight up in bed checking on her hovering over her babies are so noisy (laughs) but I just knew she was all right and I was yeah I was really calm I I wish I wish I could carry that level of calm through the rest of my life
0: yeah gosh wouldn't that be nice um But unfortunately, that level of calm didn't stick around for long, did it? When do you think things started to change for you?
2: Yeah, six months. Again, it hit me. I went back to work at six months because I knew that um, I wasn't good at being a stay-at-home mum and um, I went back four days a week. So I probably took on too much for having had a toddler and and a six-month-old at home. Um, and yeah, it crept up on me over the next couple of months to the point where when Luca was about nine or 10 months old, I went to the doctor and I said, look, I'm not, I can't sleep. I've got such bad, um, anxiety that I can't sleep. I was still on a low dose antidepressant, which I'd been on since I'd had PND with Ivy, um, but it wasn't working. So the GP changed me to another medication that was meant to help me sleep, But coming off my Zoloft, my serotonin crashed and I just, over the next few weeks, got increasingly depressed to the point where um, I said to, like, I could barely look Alex in the eye because I just felt so ashamed of um, how, what a burden I felt around the house. Like, I couldn't, every small task felt insurmountable. I felt like every single task that I was performing was like I was neck deep in wet cement, so getting off the couch to go and get a drink of water, go to the bathroom, to do the nappy change, anything. Everything just felt so heavy and so insurmountable. So I went back to the doctor and said, look, these new meds aren't working. I feel worse. I don't – I kept stressing. I was really scared that if I said how sick I felt that Luca would get taken away from me for some reason. Um, So I was really adamant that I didn't want to do anything to hurt her and I didn't want to hurt myself but I just felt really, really sick And thankfully, the GP just said, well, you don't have to want to hurt yourself or your baby to need help. And I think we're at the point where um, you might need to go into hospital for a little while. And told me about the mum and baby unit that was available, which I I had never heard of before either. Um, I guess at
0: that stage, Alex, could you see that Lauren was becoming unwell? Yeah, I certainly saw the signs.
1: Um, There were a lot of similar signs to when it had happened the first time with Ivy and I was doing everything that I could think of to try and help and to make her feel better and it wasn't working. Um, So I think, yeah, that it was certainly um, for both of us a time when we knew that something else needed to happen.
0: Definitely. I guess for you, Alex, juggling two kids, watching Lauren go through all of this, uh, when did you know that you really needed some help yourself?
1: It was probably around the same time, I think, because I was stepping in to do a little bit more um, and that was exhausting physically for me uh, and usually when I'm physically exhausted, the emotional exhaustion happens at the same time. Um, so I think, yeah, they were they were coinciding and I felt a little bit helpless. Um, I couldn't help Lauren and... I didn't know what to do to make things better. Um, So I just, yeah, I I felt a little bit helpless at that point. So what did you do to get some help? I think the first step was in talking about it. Um, As I've said, I'm not really the type of person that wants to burden others with how I'm feeling, Um, but that was certainly the first step. I needed to say, to Lauren that I wasn't coping as well. Um, I think that was a big, that was a pretty big step. Um, I had seen the benefits that talking to someone, talking to a professional had had for Lauren. Um, so I did start seeing someone, um, to talk about what I was going through and I did find that really helpful.
2: Yeah, there was one occasion where you lost your cool over something small, which is really out of character for you. It's something more likely that <laughs> that I would do. The coffee incident. Oh, yeah, what happened? Something. I'd spilt my coffee, I think. And she just really lost her cool over a small everyday incident like that. And that's so out of character for Alex. And that was enough for her to go okay, I'm not coping very well. I need to go and talk to someone. Yeah, something's something's definitely not right here. It's not about the spilt coffee. There's
1: something else going on. Yeah. I think that was probably, obviously, um, there was a lot that was building up to that moment, but I think I recognised the overreaction in that moment. And I think there was a point where Lauren and I had both looked at each other after the coffee
0: incident, like,
1: whoa. Whoa.
0: <laughs> whoa, something's not right. I guess, Lauren, were you surprised that Alex was struggling?
2: No, because we'd been through so much shit. I don't (laughs) know how you could not be struggling. Like she is so even keeled and she does cope so well with so much, but I just can't see how you can go through everything we went through over the last few years. A pandemic, fertility treatment, two traumatic births. We had a miscarriage in between them, supporting me through all of that mental health stuff I just, that is so much for one person to support their partner through, let alone to go through themselves. Um, and then to witness the traumatic birth twice, um, Like, to, I, I'm not surprised. No, I'm surprised it took as long as it did, to be honest.
0: Yeah, for sure. Guys, what are you both doing now to support each other? Obviously, you, you, know, you still see um, some professional help when you need it, but what do, what do you do day to day that helps each other through?
2: Alex supports me a lot, so um, for me, I sleep is so important for my mental health and just my ability to cope and function. So Alex is really good at um, prioritizing my sleep. She's she's really good. Like you know, she got up with me during the night, so it wasn't so lonely. I had a difficult breastfeeding journey. My supply dries up really early, so Ivy was formula fed from being you know a couple of months old. So. Alex would take turns doing the feeds with me at night. Um, Ivy always took forever to get to sleep. I remember some nights we would have to rock her for like two hours to get her to go to sleep and, you know, successfully transfer her into the cot and ninja roll out of the bedroom quietly. And Alex did a lot of that because I was just over it from, you know, having rocked her to sleep several times throughout the day and having been at home with her all day. So she just did a lot of that practical stuff that took the load off and gave me time to have some time to myself to go and do something different, have a bath, you know, read a book, uh, call a friend, (laughs) Um, whatever the case may be, go see my therapist. (laughs) Like Alex loves sleeping with both our kids in the bed. That is her dream come true. She would spoon all night, whereas I couldn't sleep if there was like an ant walking outside, you know. Like yeah. I'm just, I, I need a very specific set of sleep circumstances. So we often divide and conquer on the sleep front. I think we also support each other really well
1: in moments where we find it really difficult. Like there's been a um, the lipstick incident where Luca drew all over the carpet in lipstick. I think Lauren actually dealt with that situation Um Better than I did at the time. So I think we're surprising each other actually with how um, we can bring ourselves together um, or yeah, just just better cope in certain situations. I think we are a really good team or we've we've certainly become a much better team since we've had kids um, in recognising the signs when both of us need a little bit of help um, and being able to offer it to the other person. Um, It's been a lot of work, I think. Um, Certainly I've never had, I haven't really had a history of, of um, mental health myself or um, anxiety prior to having kids. So I've had to learn um, a lot about what co- the coping techniques are or um, we've had to talk a lot about how we can better work together or communicate better um, in those situations so that it doesn't turn into a massive meltdown. Um, so, yeah, I think we've been talking a lot about how the other deals with certain situations and what the other person needs um, to cope better. Um, And I think that's the first step really is is better understanding each other um, so that we can support each other better. So that's
0: been a, a work in progress. Alex, it's not an uncommon story that a lot of support partners don't put their hand up and ask for help when they need it. What would be your advice to somebody who is perhaps struggling and might need that bit of support?
1: do it early. (laughs) I think it took me until after our second, until after Luca to ask for help. Uh, And I think I would have been better for it and we would have been better for it if I had have asked for it earlier. Um, I don't think I would have maybe gotten to the coffee incident um, (laughs) if I had have asked for help a little bit earlier. Um, I mean, I didn't, Know that I needed help. I didn't know what help was available, um, so I think that would be a difficult thing for someone who maybe doesn't even recognise the signs within themselves and doesn't recognise that they're not coping. Um, I would say do your research, do a lot of reading. There's a lot of organisations out there that can provide resources that are really helpful, um, and I think the sooner the better because certainly in my case, it got worse because I didn't. I. I kept it all inside. I didn't talk about it with Lauren. I didn't seek help. Um, I just sort of bottled it all up and then it all got too much and it exploded. Um, And so we were dealing with a situation that was a lot worse than if I had have dealt with it earlier.
2: Mm,
0: Thank you for being so honest, both of you. I, I think you're both doing such an amazing job raising your two girls. Of course, there have been some really hard moments in there, But I want to know now, what is the most joyful part of parenting for you both?
2: The thing I find most joyful about parenting is um, getting to be a bit of a goose again, having free reign to just be a big kid and sort of see the world through their eyes. So I'm always in a rush, I'm always <laughs> off to the next meeting or trying to achieve the next thing and, you know, when I walk our five-year-old to school and she wants to stop and stare at a bug, um, you know, I've got to stop myself from saying, hurry up, Ivy, we've got to get to school. But it is it is really cool watching how they see the world and um, how much joy they take in those little everyday moments. I'm a goofball at the best of times, so I don't need any excuse
1: to be silly, but I think the most joys joyful thing about parenting for me is just the surprise, the surprising moments, the everyday moments that I just would never happen with kids, the silly things that they say, or just dancing around in the living room for no reason, or just the things that they come up with, um, just the way their brains work. I just find them so surprising and so entertaining. And I don't know if everyone finds their kids as fun as I do, but I just think our kids are so great and just so much fun to be around i can just see myself being friends with our kids which is a really lovely uh yeah it's just really lovely
0: Survive and Thrive is a podcast from Panda, Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia, an accredited mental health service. You'll find all the links and information you need in the episode notes, wherever you're listening. But just a reminder, if you are a new or expecting parent, you can call Panda's free national helpline from Monday to Saturday on 1300 726 306. If you're experiencing a mental health crisis, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. If you're in a life-threatening emergency, call triple zero. Panda recognises the individual and collective contributions of people with a lived or living experience of mental health issues, their families, loved ones and supporters. Every story informs how we care for people and their community. Survive and Thrive is produced by Deadset Studios for Panda, Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia and hosted by me, Gia Hogarth. Don't forget, there are lots more episodes in your podcast feed and more to come, so hit follow in your favourite podcast app.